Welcome to Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. A 40-something genderqueer person shares their observations, life stories, and the adventures of their journey through transition and beyond. And now, here's your host, the creator of it all, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Hey, hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for being here. It's so lovely to see you. Oh, you're back for another great show. Thank you so much for being here. And now, listen to that band finish it up. Yeah. Yeah. That is the Midwest Choir featuring Amanda R., in honor of our guest this episode. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So as the title of the episode is my conversation with Amanda R part two, we finish everything up there and just complete the conversation. So that also means there is no extra features this episode. We're not going to have our countdown list, which, you know, kind of made sense. If you listened to last episode, not going to do our secondary topic because, you know, I've got a conversation with Amanda R going on. Going to skip over listener feedback for this episode. Don't worry, folks. Those normal parts of our episodes, the stuff that happens during a regular non-conversation episode, will be back next episode, I guarantee. I guarantee. Also, on that note, I am still looking for names for the secondary topic arena, you know, the, the section of the show. Send it to me, changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com. By the end of May, May 31st, 2016, so I can put it together and present it on Facebook as to what, you know, you folks want that section to be named. Okay? Okay. So, if this is your first episode, welcome aboard, but I gotta say, it's kind of odd that you've selected this one because this is the second part of a conversation that I had last episode. It's the second half of the of the conversation. So I suggest, just so you know what's going on, going back and listening to part one, because that just kind of makes sense, you know, like bread and butter, you know, eggs and ham, Abraham and Lincoln, you know, they just kind of go together. You know, I suggest checking out last episode, 83, for the first half of the conversation. So you can then now join us in the second half, which is going to be coming up this episode. So that's all I got to say there. But bottom line, hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Thank you. Big hug. Welcome. Welcome. And of course, big hug and welcome back to all my fans that are coming back for more or just the people that are tuning in for the second part of the Amanda conversation. Thank you all for being here. I think you've got the fact that I love that you're here. Thank you so very much. You can find all past episodes at Changes in Latitudes podcast at blogspot.com. It's where everything's housed. We got links for iTunes and Stitcher and Facebook and Patreon and Twitter. You can send me an email at changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com. Like I said just a moment ago, Twitter is CIL Podcast. Patreon is Changes in Latitudes Podcast. And Facebook is also Changes in Latitudes Podcast. So go find us out there. This particular episode is brought to us by the lovely patron, Addison S. Addison, thank you so much for all that you do. 
and I'm looking forward to getting you back as a recap this year. So know that I love you, and I'm so happy that you're part of the show. All right, housekeeping's over. Let's let the music roll and get into part two of my conversation with Amanda R. As I mentioned in last episode, before the conversation, we recorded this on the lovely morning of the 13th of March, 2016. And we did have a slight poor internet connection at times, you know, those... Those uh, Skype hiccups that happen, you know, that, that, that's out there. I did what I could to clean it up, but there's a little bit out there. Uh, she is such a lovely and sweet person, and I was honored to have her on the show. So thank you again, Amanda. And actually, I am very grateful for the person who sponsored this show, <laughs> Addison S., is the person that Amanda and I have in common. And it is just kind of a strange, wonderful bond that the, that the internet has brought the three of us together in that sense. It's just wonderful to think of. So Addison, I hope you're listening out there. And if you haven't heard Addison's first episodes, go back to the archives, as I mentioned earlier, episode 40 and 41. Addison was our guest there. Addison now goes by Evan, but just for reference in our, in my episodes, you'll know who I refer to. So, but it's Evan now that's, that's, I'm hoping to get her back to talk about that uh, also before we jump into the conversation i want to let you know i do roll it back about oh two and a half or three minutes to get a running start into the conversation not a dry jump into it from last week helps the uh, momentum and the flow of the conversation so if you're listening back to back from last episode to this episode you're going to hear the same th- you know three minutes again and that's just to get you jumping through it okay okay Just to catch everyone up as well, she was talking about a friend of hers who went from identifying as a trans woman and then who later identified as gender fluid. That was kind of where we left it last episode. So enough of that. Let's get into the conversation. I'm not going to sit here and say that I know exactly what that child feels like when a parent transitions, but I understand the emotions because I was very off-putted by it. And, but I don't hold it against them. I still respect them. In fact, I probably respect them more now. But that difference of who you respect, is very, very, um, I don't know what word to use. Off-putting, it's very, interesting well i'll just use that that's that's a good word as well i mean i can i can kind of understand because you know there's this individual that you uh uh got support from and looked up to and admired and felt that you were on the same uh long-term path and then in their journey their path they realized that they need to make a different change that was going to be different than your path and so that changes the uh, dynamic of that relationship, of that uh, inter uh, interconnection between you and this this individual. I, I can understand that. I'm I'm sure that w- when I came out as gender fluid on the show, oh, what twenty some odd episodes, maybe more now ago, uh, that I'm sure there were some listeners that uh, stopped listening because my path wasn't their path anymore. And then I know I picked up some other listeners because I've gotten listener feedback. So it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing that happens uh, with with within our community. 
it's very strange to for me to step back and observe now. And 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 uh, um, to expand on that, I think that is quite a, a wonderful thing, especially when you have that cross um, journey um, mentorship, if I may use that word. I I'm going to another group right now, and we have a young trans male, a trans man, man, who attends our group, and we have a lot of trans women. However, even though we're not going quote unquote the same way, I like to think that our experiences can help him on his journey, even if he can't relate to maybe the path that we take with our expression, emotions, or a hormonal thing, he could probably still find things that would help him. Absolutely. And And I think that's wonderful. I think that when we find things that we can connect with, with others in the community who aren't, don't identify the same way, that that is wonderful. I mean, I know someone who is non-binary who I can still relate to, even though I'm binary. And that sort of um, connection is really wonderful. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes, I do. Well, some of the best advice that I've been given, well, I don't want to say best advice, but some of the advice and, and thoughts that have been given to me and implanted in my head in the last couple years came from, well, two different trans men, to be quite honest. And I met them through the the LGBT center here in San Diego. Lovely people, love them. They're wonderful people. And their, their journey is similar, but totally different, obviously. And yet they're the ones that helped me think things through the most. And I found that very strange because they're trans men. And at the point that I, you know, picked up on these thoughts and uh, things, I was uh, uh, identifying as a trans woman. And uh, it boggled my mind that I did not get that uh, information or thoughts or what have you from from another trans woman. That's what blew my mind at the moment in time. It's like, wow, a trans man is making me think this thought, whatever it was at the moment in time. So I say we have basically identical journeys. I mean, obviously, not totally identical, but identical in the sense that we were born a certain way and we felt a certain way, and then finally in our own uh, self-discovery, we put a definition to it, whether it be cross-dresser, transvestite, transsexual, transgender, uh, 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 non-binary, asexual. There's so many out there, but the journey is still the same because we go through that internal struggle, internal process. It's the outer shell that makes us look different. And maybe the, uh, HRT, uh, makes us act differently because, because I, I've, I've had the pleasure to watch a young trans man start HRT and start his journey and I've noticed that the testosterone has made him very, I don't want to say aggressive, that's not quite the right word, but uh, well, let's just say this, made him very ballsy <laughs> in, the sen- <coughs> Excuse me. in the sense of uh, being more outgoing and more verbose and speaking his mind more so than when I first met him. 
Of course, he was still identifying as a woman at the time because he wasn't 100% sure. But in this process, he has come to identify absolutely as male. And and in the same same breath, I'll say I've watched the same thing happen to a trans woman who who came out uh, before HRT, or I met before HRT, and has now been a year and a couple months, I believe, uh, or coming up on a year or something like that, right around the year mark. And I've watched her grow and blossom and become more verbose and not as shy and more vocal about certain thoughts and feelings and situations. And it's for me as a person who loves to observe culture and society and people, it has just been the frosting on the cake. Cause from the, from my young, young life, I've always been an observer. So to now to step back and watch someone observe and observe someone going on a gender identity journey is in the in the world of observation more than I ever could have hoped. Yeah, and that that is something I notice in myself too. All the things that you mentioned, I, I'm a lot more confident. I'm a lot more caring and expressive in my emotions and thoughts, and I, I I'm more. I have I actually have a purpose where before I didn't have a sense of purpose. I didn't have a sense of belonging where even if I really don't have my family or many friends around me, I know that no matter where I go, I'm still part of what I like to call uh, the trans family. And even if I go to a group that I never been to before, the sense of belonging that I feel is something that I never felt before. And do you think that's because you're more in tune with who you are innately, who you are? Yes, yes, because I know who I am, and I know what I go through, and what I go through and what I have gone through is so intimate that when other people, um, regardless of the path that they may take, have or is going or is about to go on it, it's a connection that you don't feel. Like, if I may use religion, for example, if you attend your religious service, you might feel some sort of connection, but it's not something that you feel when you go to uh, a LGBT meeting, or in my in my case, a trans meeting, um, or if you belong, I used to do Mary Kay um, for a couple months. When I went to a Mary Kay, we were all doing Mary Kay, and there was a sense of sistership, but there was never that deep underlining connection that I feel when I go to a trans support group. Um, that is so unique and so belonging. Yes, belonging. That's the perfect word. I feel that too when I go to uh, trans groups and trans meetings and things here at our local LGBT center and other trans functions outside of the center and outside of Pride. Because Pride, you know, is inclusive of all LGBTQI and A. And the center is open to, well, anybody. Uh, its focus is obviously LGBT, but anybody's welcome. And it is a sense of belonging. It's a sense of, uh, I found, well, a home. It, it gave me, uh, like I said, a motivation and purpose. When I went to my first group, when I walked away from that group, it left a fire underneath me. When I first went to the group, it was the first time I've known that I've known that I've been around trans individuals. 
And what was, it was very nervous because I was going to be around new people, not the fact that they were trans, but they were new people. And not only were they new, but did they, they were like me at a level that I never had before. And as I walked into that room and I looked around at everybody and got to know everybody's story a little bit, I realized that no matter what happens or what results, quote unquote, I get that I had nothing to worry about because there were people all over the place. And that didn't make them any less of who they were, if that made any sense. Yeah, yeah, of course. So after my first group, I studied electrolysis, I got clothes, I started part-time. So it it really, it really helped me. It gave me a lot of confidence and it stripped away some of the insecurities I had. I've seen the same thing happen with people here at uh, the discussion groups uh, at the center here. They they come, their first couple groups, they come in very shy, very timid, very full of questions or the opposite. They're very silent. You know, they don't know what to say. They don't know what to ask. But as their time progresses, you know, the few more meetings under their belts, etc., more people in their network, more people they know are essentially just like them. Like I mentioned ago, they're on that same gender identity journey. And it is very fascinating to watch them blossom and grow out of their shell, to, to, to put it very bluntly. It's a it's a fantastic process to observe and just and and experience because I remember going to my first uh, meeting here a number a couple years ago now, maybe more, and it was so nervous, very nerve wracking, not sure what to expect, not sure uh, what because because I, I hate to say it, but everybody forms an opinion when they meet somebody. You know, they look at somebody, yeah. they think something, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, or whatever. Uh, it's part of human nature. Uh, some people verbalize it more than others, but it's part of human nature. And so in that first sense of, okay, I'm the newbie here, I'm a new face, they're going to sum me up. And yes, they did, but it was in a welcoming way. It was it was not judgmental. It was not ridiculing me. It was not... Uh, 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 you know, saying things, you know, oh, you're, you wear too much makeup, you're not dressed appropriately, um, I, uh, your nails don't look nice, uh, the shoes are wrong, you know, all those things that, that at least I would worry about uh, in, in my own self-discovery, and none of that was there. And, I mean, they, the summation that they made of me was more of, okay, is this person an asshole, or is this person a nice person? I mean, that's really what it boiled down to being, but I didn't know that in my first meeting. I didn't really discover that till probably six months of meetings uh, under my belt. And the sense of belonging and the sense of uh, community and uh, the same, same objectives and same journey, uh, I mean, with all our differentials, was so, and still is, very uh, warm. And one of the best aspects of um, that first meeting is is that there is a social aspect afterwards where we yes. go to a place and eat, which is much more needed and much more helpful, um, I think, um, than the group itself. I think um, so, too. And I, to 
Yeah, you actually get to talk to people and socialize, yes. And I think they go hand in hand because I've gotten together socially with some of the same people I, I've met at group. You know, it's not a group night, but you say, hey, let's go meet at blah, blah, blah for, you know, drinks and dinner and whatever. And you go, and it's still a very fun, warm, social gathering, but but the energy in that conversation and in that moment in time is different because you didn't have that meeting beforehand. You know, whatever mm-hmm. the same thoughts that are going through your mind from that meeting or whatever it was that you experienced in that, you know, somebody's story or you sharing something or whatever it is, it, that social gathering is marvelous. But I found it much more therapeutic after, after yeah. group. But yeah, it's essential. I, I think they go hand in hand. I, I totally agree. I mean, uh, after this, this meeting, um, I, I met with someone who we were very similar, even though we, they, we had a huge uh, age gap, how we started, where we were, and obviously the feelings that we had before and that we previously attempted uh, transition were so relatable that it, it was very, to use your word, very therapeutic. Um, that just blew me away that first time. Yeah. What would you say was your, surprised you the most when you first started transitioning? What was your biggest surprise? When I first started transition, um, that I lost a piece of my tooth. A piece of your tooth? Yes. Okay. I got to hear that story. So, um, the, the bone density, if I got my science correct is less dense in women than in men. Oh, yes, yes, because of the whole calcium balance thing. Yes, that is correct. And I don't have the best history with care with my teeth. Um, Same so for me. When that, when that hormone change, I lost a piece of my tooth. So, that, that's painful. I've, I've had that happen myself. Oh, it's, it's not painful. The, the, the nerve isn't exposed. So I'm oh, like, I had nerve a, isn't exposed. I don't care. I had a nerve exposed. So, so yeah, I, I, like yourself, don't have the best uh, dental history uh, in my past either. Um, and it's partially hereditary, but that's for another story. Wow, so that was the biggest surprise. What would you say was the thing that surprised you the least when you first transitioned? So basically, what did I expect that really happened? Uh, um, yeah. Um. Oh, I don't know. I gotta think. Um, emotions. Mm. I, 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 so it's kind of like surprised, but kind of not. I expected to be have feelings because before I transitioned, I was I couldn't emote, and I was so frustrated. That is why I first started seeing a therapist. Um, but I, I couldn't cry. I couldn't do anything, and I thought I expected to have emotions when I started hormones and that happened but I was surprised at like driving down the road and seeing a cat carcass and crying mm. because I love I love cats or expecting to actually cry at the Lion King but not expecting to cry um two or three minutes before my foster warning. Um, mm. so it, it, it's been a, it's been a mix there, I guess. Yeah. sounds, sounds like it. Um, were, were the emotions something that you knew would change when you started? Uh, yes. I, it, it's something that I, 
I, I expected and it's something I, I, I needed because I, I always love my emotion. Um, even if I'm crying out of despair, depression, depression, I'm always so grateful that I can express myself and it makes me feel more connected with myself. Again, how I would label it is, is connection with my feminine self um, before I transition and because it was quote unquote feminine, it was that touch of who I was, uh, who I am now. That gave me such a comfort that it, you know, I appreciate emoting, especially crying, not anger. I hate anger, which is kind of funny because it's kind of counterintuitive. But um, being angry, at being angry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you you always have the yin and the yang. Yeah, but um, that 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 was that that has been wonderful. I mean, I was listening to somebody's story, and I was waiting for this to happen. And, and I actually started getting choked up. Mm. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I, 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 I'm actually empathizing. Hmm. And it, it's been wonderful. So, Did you uh, document your journey in any fashion, like photos or a journal or anything like that? Whether it's going to be public or private, that's up to you. I'm just curious, because a lot of people do. Um. Yes, and I'll answer that question in a second. I wanted to get to something. Please do. Um, shortly after Jenna came out, I was feeling very initiative at the time. I wanted to be a part of the community and be vocal. So I reached out to a news, news agency. And long story short, I was on the news sharing my story. That's wonderful. That's a big step. Um, Not uh, even being a. Go ahead. I was. Uh, was it local news or or national? It was local. Local news. Okay, that's great. And I wasn't even out for two months, so. That's great. That's great. So to answer your question, I did take pictures, and I also kept a blog, uh, where I documented my experiences, my thoughts, my goals and I did that for a while and you are a part of a group where I've been reposting those. Yes, I, I, I am honored to be part of that group and I'll, I'll admit I don't get a chance to read as much as I would like to uh, and I, I wasn't going to bring it up because that's your own private group but what I've seen that you've shared is is marvelous and and I hope in the future, you know, five years or more down the line, uh, you can go back and extract moments from it to to share in in maybe a public blog or or a book or or something like that to assist the new transgender people at that time, whenever whenever that step is for you, because some of it is so eloquent and so emotional that. I feel when you're ready, it should be shared. Thank you. Oh, my um, pleasure. My and like I said, I am honored to be part of that group. The only thing about it is, is um, there's a gap um, because my first blog went until July, and I didn't start the group until December, November. So there's a few months gap there where things have happened that I eventually want to write about. So while it's still fresh in my head, just so I can fill that gap. 
Oh, you'll get but, to it. You'll get to oh, yeah. it. There's no, it's only, uh, what, less than six months. It's four or five months. That's, that's nothing in the journey of, 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 of a life from, from birth right. to coming out to transition to, you know, the end of it all. Yeah. Well, that you got time. A lot, of, a lot has happened in that six months, though, that I would like to talk about, you know, share in, in, the, in the group. We'll oh. have documentation about. Great. That's great. What, um, what, what one thing, cause everybody has something, at least in, I've noticed in the beginning of their, of their journey when they're still kind of seeing their birth gender in the mirror, there's usually one thing that really helps, um, define, uh, your, your gender identity. Uh, for me, it was, you know, makeup, you know, a full, full, full makeup and, and hair to a degree, but makeup and, and shoes. So, so those are the two things specifically for me. Was there any one thing that, that just helps you identify as you? Like if you're having um, a bad day? It's kind of hard to nail it down to one experience. Um, but I think one of the things that happened that makes me feel wonderful is when I get a glimpse of a, um, how do I put this? When I look in the mirror and I actually see the woman I am without any dysphoric feelings. Like maybe, you know, I'll put turn my head at an angle and nothing dysphoric shows up or that looks that I have discomfort with. But um those little moments they they, they help. When I can get a glimpse and a smile and I'm like, oh I see I see a woman. I see nothing quote unquote trans and that just gives me a bunch of confidence. But otherwise, everything helps the clothes, um, the effects that hormones have had, the hair, the makeup. They, they, they all work together to help. Oh, everything does. Everything works together to make the uh, final picture, we'll say. Of course it does. But there's, I've noticed that there's always one little thing that uh, uh, does the trick for, for individuals. But, yes, seeing that, seeing that uh, woman... Uh, stare back in the mirror or what have you is is a wonderful feeling. I I I I, I, I know that feeling. I I think I think I know what I would say. I think what my thing is is I have a little bit of a curve. Um, and when I wear jeans or when I wear clothes and I see that little curve, um, and you know in the lower area, it it, it helps. You know, even though it isn't as defined as a cis curve, um. It still gives me a little boost. It's like, yeah, I have a curve. I have a little curve. And whenever I see that in a picture, it's such a wonderful feeling. Because even if maybe it isn't as defined as a cis curve is, it's just a wonderful experience. It's like, yeah, I'm trans, and I got a little bit of curve. Rock it, you know? <laughs> nice. Very nice. Uh, I mean, you're still early in your journey, but if there was one thing that you could change, uh, mostly in hindsight, what what would you what would that be? Well, where I am in my transition now, I realize that I can't be here without going through the things I have gone through. Oh, like, I'm so glad you said that. I think a lot of people, trans or not, forget their past and forget the fact that their past has brought them to where they are now. I could have never transitioned as um, as early as I would have liked because of the financial aspect all the things I didn't experience and define who I was. 
Um, and I had to get to that point where everything lined up. I like going back to my dad, the relationship with my dad that helped put me in a place, my medical with my kidneys, the financial, the years of collecting, um, that helped me, um, everything that I have experienced helped me transition and get to the point where I am now that I don't think I would have had if I was younger. Don't get me wrong. I would have loved to transition, especially before the age of 25. Um, but that couldn't have happened. And if that did happen, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, what was the question? If there was one thing oh. that you could look back on and change in your journey, what would it be? I would have expressed myself more often before deciding to transition, not purging myself, not throwing away those clothes and um, magazines, because at the time I was uh, um, playing around with my um, sexuality, um, you know, trying to be like, okay, what is it like for a teenage girl? Have those magazines and not purge myself with the clothes, um, being more expressive and allowing myself to be more expressive, even if it's privately. Um, and not be so afraid of embracing my female self, even if it was, quote, unquote, behind closed doors. Right. So that's one thing I would change. I would be a lot more experimental slash expressive beforehand. Okay. Uh... I probably also wouldn't have joined Mary Kay because I lost some money off of that. I've heard that before from from people who've who've attempted it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's not for everybody, but for those few that succeed, it's a good thing. I couldn't do it personally, but I understand. No, but it gave me a sense of it was my first social environment where I was around other women and being accepted. I never got called out for being trans. Um, I think maybe they know. I don't know. But I, I was never approached about that. I never was asked. I never disclosed that. But I was still part of the community. So that was what the experience, I would say, was definitely worth it. But the um, financial investment didn't exactly work in a positive. Mm. Back to coming out. Who, who took your coming out the easiest? My sister. And then who took it the hardest? My sister, but my brother was most dismissive. Um, who took it the hardest? I think my dad. Mm. Um, but all I did was wrote him in a letter and told him, and then he wrote back to me and he blamed <laughs> This is very common. He blamed my mom oh, yeah. because my mom left me with a gay babysitter. I'm oh. like... Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. That's gotta be it. Of course, please. Well, it's kind of it's kind of funny because my sister and I think my mom thinks he's bi. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, go figure. So he might be in some self denial, but that's just speculation, right? Um, my grandmother, um, she didn't take it hard when I came out to her and told her this time because I told her that I had to something to tell her and. I told her, and she's like, well, I thought that's what it was because of the history that I had in the past. I mean, in my previous attempts, I told my mom, and my mom told grandma, my grandma. So there was a couple times when I previously had trans 
transition that she knew. So right. The first time was I shared, and then the second time, um, she thought I had too much time on my hands. Mm. So, but she she has been one of my best allies. So, and my biggest one of my but my current biggest supporter. That's your your mom or your grandmother. My grandmother. That's great. That's great to hear. The 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 ones that we how oh, fear the most to coming around and being our biggest supporters and advocators. And that's, that's a fantastic feeling. And I would like to add that I would like to confront my dad. Um, like I said, there are some other issues there, but because he's my father and I think he deserves to know where I'm headed. It's no different than if I was getting married and I want to, see him i want him to see me but i want to be at a place where i'm ready to do that and that won't be in a while and i don't know how he'll handle it and i am a little bit concerned because he is in prison and i'm afraid who he knows or who he might know right but i for, for me i think it would put a, a bit uh, something to rest with him especially considering that that was one of the first roadblocks that i had was him you know, worrying about what he thinks. But I, you know, you know, right. I, 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 no. Mm. And now a word from our sponsor. When you need a professional who specializes in writing, photography, or web design, contact Tom Slayton. At Tom's website, TomSlayton.com, you'll find brilliant WordPress themes, discounts and links for fantastic online services, and sage wisdom from the master himself, Tom Slayton. TomSlayton.com even features a wonderful eclectic collection of photographs seldom seen elsewhere. Visit TomSlayton.com. That's T-O-M-S-L-A-T-I-N.com. Ah, Tom Slayton, thanks so much for sponsoring the show. Folks, you know, I don't talk so much about what I'm going to talk about this particular episode, uh, and that's because I don't think about it because I don't really use it yet. I'm kind of odd that way. But as the commercial said, he offers free WordPress themes. And for those of you who are designing websites or about to or thinking about it, WordPress is the easy easier way to go because I, I used to do that for a little bit and then kind of got out of it because you know, didn't need it anymore but it was very easy interface i liked it a lot and tom's got a lot of different themes out there for you to choose from take a look at maybe if you're looking to redesign and upgrade your site give it a fresh look or something you know brand new 2016 look or whatever you know take a look at some of the themes he's got they can be found at tomslayton.com forward slash free wordpress themes pretty easy to remember so go check those out and uh, hopefully you'll find one. I mean, everybody's got their own different tastes. If you don't see one you like, why don't you contact Tom? His links are all at the bottom for contacting him of his webpage, bottom of his webpage. And I'm sure he'll work with you on it. So, Tom, thanks again for sponsoring the show. Now let's get back to my conversation with Amanda R. bit concerned because he is in prison and I'm afraid who he knows or who he might know. 
Right. But I, for, for me, I think it would put a, a bit, uh, something to rest with him, especially considering that that was one of the first roadblocks that I had was him, you know, worrying about what he thinks. But I, you know, you know, right. I, I, I you know. Mm. So, so what are your next steps coming up here for 2016? Well, I have my consultation. So I am work, currently working on getting my letters. I should have them by the end of March. Um, I have my appointment with my kidneys in April. I have the consultation in May. And I want to be scheduled by the end of this year because my electrolysis should be all, be all finished by that time. That's great. That's so, great. So my goal is to go is to get everything done this year, basically. <laughs> well, it, the year's still early. This is March that we're recording. Exactly. So you've got a, three quarters of the year left to to complete so many different goals and steps on your journey and and being the most comfortable and authentic you. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Definitely. That's fantastic. Then I need to do more shopping, but... <laughs> well, we all need to do more <laughs> shopping. Even I say that, and I have no money. I love I... window shopping on Amazon. I have eight dresses, but I need more. I have like about the same number of shoes and I need more. In time. In, I, I in have time. space in my closet that needs to be filled. Oh, it'll get there. It'll definitely <laughs> get there. Uh, search out for deals. The holidays yeah. are the best times. Uh, Black Friday through uh, usually halfway through January when all those, uh, you know, after holiday sales happen is the best time I've noticed to pick up some things. Same thing at the end of seasons, you know, like... Uh, uh, we're, we're approaching spring right now, so all the spring stuff is coming in and has been around for a while. As soon as summer comes here in the next couple months, all that spring stuff is going to be on sale. And that's when you pick that stuff up. Same thing at the oh, end yeah. of summer. The only thing about it is that I'm always so busy, so I don't have much time. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, time and money. Time and money. Do you have issues in finding uh, the uh, right sizes or comfortable sizes? Um, not really. Oh, you're I mean, lucky. my best my my best pair of jeans is a junior size ten, oh, and wow. I'm about a size sixteen, fourteen, sixteen. So it it, it kind of varies, um, and kind of random. But I started out in a shoes. Uh, the first time I picked up a pair of women's shoes, they were a size ten. Um, I'm currently wearing a size eight. So. Oh, wow. Did your feet shrink or just a different make of shoe? Because the first time I bought a pair of shoes, it was size 12. And that's usually my target size that I look for right now. Sometimes I do a 13, depending on the, the cut of shoe. And sometimes I can get away with an 11. But my, my goal is to see if they have a 12. I, I, I'm pretty sure they did shrink. Because um, I even lost a little bit of height. So. Oh, wow. Uh, was that, uh, when did that happen? How did that happen? Well, the um, well, you you know that the ligaments they they shrink, so okay. that, that, that that you know inflicts the height. Um, but it, I only lost like maybe a quarter of an inch, maybe oh, a half okay. an inch. Okay, 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 um, that's not too bad. But it flexes because you're taller in the morning than you are at night. So that's it, true. So it so it, theoretically, if you get measured at eleven o'clock. The first time, but measured like at one o'clock the second time, it could be you know that's different times of the day as well as you add factors such as time that you awoke 
So it's very hard to know. Yeah. Um, the only time I know is if the numbers are consistent. Hmm. Um, so I, I don't know how we got there. but um, I don't know how we got there either, but it was interesting. It was about shopping and sizes. Oh, yeah. So, um, but it is something I, wanna, I wanted to expand on. Um, and the first thing I want to say is, the, the thing I want to say is the first half of my transition, or I should say the first year of my transition, was so smooth for me. Everything went. I was very proactive. I did think I didn't have to do things in a system because I, you know, I paid for things. You know, I set the appointment. Um, my voice, no voice training. That's, you know, it just, I just practiced. Not practiced, I just talked and, you know, and stuff like that. For some, it's um, easier than others. Yeah, well, years of singing high pitch does oh, that. That'll I guess. do it. That will do it. Um, I didn't have much discrimination. I haven't had any discrimination, excluding online. When I was on the news, there was people commenting, and I made the mistake of addressing them. But um, misgendered only happened to my family, and it only happened when I went to work and I didn't switch over my clothes. So I haven't had that. So I've been pretty blessed for my first year. That's wonderful to hear. That's wonderful. And I think it's going to be easier. Uh, the more time goes on in, in our culture and society, the more trans awareness is out there, the more openly trans people are like, like Jenner and Cox and mock and all those, uh, I'll just lump them in and say celebrities. Uh, the more exposure that we have, Oh, and the Wachowski brothers, well, well sisters now, yeah. um, you know, with these individuals out there in the face of society saying, yes, I am trans, I am transgender, I am trans woman, I am trans man, whoever they may be, the more exposure, the easier it's going to be in, in you know, five, ten years when, when, there's, when, when people look around uh, society and see your typical male, your typical female, your, your typical trans man, and your typical trans woman. As we become part of the culture and society, it's going to be less unusual. It'll be part of the norm, as, as, as we both don't like to say, but that's what, that's what we're striving for. And um, one of the things that I, I do think that needs to help is representation and media, which is very few and far between. It seems like most of our stories is focused on transition. When when it comes to characters and media, there is so much more to it than that. Um, a couple of examples I want to throw down is um, oh, Becoming Us. I watched Becoming Us, and one of the things I liked about that is it wasn't just about the main trans people, but it was also about their family and how they deal with it. It was kind of nice kind of being lighter on the focus of the transition um, than other series were. Yeah, I think that's um, where media is going because uh, just like you said, it's all focused on the transition and eventually people are going to get tired of seeing that. People who aren't trans, I'll say, are going to get tired of seeing that and they're going to want more. My my two personal favorites, and in my opinion, best uh, depictions of trans individuals is uh, Sense8, where uh, one of the characters is trans, 
and it is touched upon, but it isn't touched upon in such a way that it undermines the character. It's much more um, definitive of her family, not really her. And not only that, but later on in the series, um, they all share like one mind, to put it bluntly. She talks about her past, and she talks about being a boy and stuff like that, but the characters don't blink an eye. They don't treat it as if it's not normal. That's great. Um, and and that's wonderful. Um, because oftentimes when that happens, I, I'm going to use Doctor Who as an example. Uh, Doctor Who, the episode, I believe, Enter the World, which is series one, episode two, uh, Rose is talking to Cassandra. And they're looking over Earth, which is about to be destroyed. And Cassandra is talking about Earth, and she mentions that she grows up. She grew up there when she was a little boy. And if you watch Rose, Rose looks her up and down, looking for signs, which is something that didn't happen in Sense 8. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, like I know if, exactly what you're saying. Yeah, the look over, the once over, the you were born a insert birth gender. Correct. You're right. Um, my other uh, depiction that I really like um, is a uh, boy meets girl, um, which is a romantic kind of comedy, and I connected with it as a, this. This is a romantic comedy movie that I can actually relate to, um, because I could maybe relate to a romantic movie and my identified uh, gender, but. There are still levels that perhaps I couldn't relate to. Example, maybe afraid of getting uh, pregnant mm. or some other fancy fanatic, um, things you want to add where in Boy Meets Girl, it was very, um, it was touch upon, but it wasn't depicted in a negative experience. It didn't end in tragedy. Um like some trans stories do. Um, Boys Don't Cry is a good example. Right, yeah. Um, but I really like that. And I, and I recommend that movie to people um, because I like, I cried. Because I don't know if I should spoil it, but the ending is so fulfilling because it's something as a trans individual you hope you can get that you don't expect to get. And when a character that you relate to, even though she's younger, in this um, movie that happens, it, 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 it's, it's hard to explain, but it, it's, it, it's, it's wonderful to have that sense of relation. Where if you're watching a trans, uh, transition story, or maybe the Danish girl um, would probably be a good example. I haven't seen it. Maybe you could relate to it, but it's something that maybe, maybe you don't want to relate to because they remind you of negative parts i guess yeah yeah we all all of us uh, all humans don't want to you know be stuck in the negative and so anything that triggers that or brings us back around to thinking about it is something that we end up not liking or we want to disassociate with or we end up hating just so we don't have to deal with it uh yeah that's 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 part of the human life i think but um, the, the thing that I wanted to expand upon um, even further is when I was talking about the first part of my transition, the first year, and it being so smooth, well, the second part this year, Tortilla and the last year, 
has been the total opposite. It has been so full of dysphoria, de depression, anger, uh, despair, kind of hopelessness, that it really has humbled me. And it helped me relate to others um, who are transitioning to uh, in a way that I haven't felt before. Because regardless of whatever is bringing out the emotion or the experience, there are others who are going through it or experiencing on quote-unquote lower levels um, in a transition than I am. That the despair that I'm feeling, the frustration, the dysphoria, even though it is surgical-related, there's others who feel that way even when it comes to hormones or name change or family. And experiencing this has helped me relate to them even on a level that I couldn't experience before, even though it's a different quote-unquote step in a transition where I'm experiencing this. Right, right. What bit of information or advice or, uh, you know, you've already been there, done it sort of situation, what would you pass along to the young trans person? And, and young, young meaning in the sense of coming to terms with themselves, not necessarily, you know, uh, calendar age. What advice would you share? Oh, there's so much. Um, the first thing I would say is expect sacrifices um, and be willing to sacrifice um, everything. I have, I don't want to say I sacrificed everything, but I sacrificed a lot. I'm, under, I'm in a different area. I'm doing finances different. I sacrificed comfortability. I sacrificed uh, family. I, my niece was born in April, and it was the first time I was able to connect with a, um, a child. And we were so close, and I sacrificed that so I could go be myself and be happy and do what I needed to do so I could be there for her and be confident. Um, so be, be, be prepared for sacrifice. Um, number two, express yourself, um, e even if it's uh, at home. So don't be afraid to express yourself. Don't be afraid to experiment. Um, if I may use orientation as an example, don't be afraid to look at someone who you might not feel uh, attracted to and play around with those thoughts because it's fluid. The same goes with gender. Um, if you, you know, don't be afraid to experiment uh, because just because you experiment doesn't mean you're going to end up one way or another. It's just a process of discovery. Um, three, be yourself no matter what. Um, and that's something I try to tell, or I did tell a friend of mine. It's like, you, you got to be yourself and don't sacrifice yourself to please someone else, especially when you're, 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 you're tearing away yourself. And uh, boy, take your time and know what you're doing. And to take something from you, make a list. I did everything really quickly, but I made a list. I remember month, da, 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 a week leading up to my name change. Uh, before I went to the courthouse, I had everything written down where I needed to get my name changed. And I checked that off as I went. Um, Good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, the last one um, is, is do research. Talk to people. Talk to professionals. Reach out. Go to groups. 
because no matter if, if you're feeling uncertain, going to a group or talking to a professional or doing research will help define that, however that definition, whatever that definition may be. Uh, group lit a fire underneath me. Research got me an apartment within a week, week. So don't approach it blindly. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, having a list is very important, uh, even if it's only, you know, a short list. The, 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 the point is having a checklist. If you don't have a list, you don't have a goal in, end, in the end. You need to take steps. You know, you can't just do the alphabet A-Z. You've got to have B, C, D, E, F, G, etc., etc., to, to be able to reach Z. Correct. And I would also like to add is don't be afraid to overachieve. When I went for my name change, I had one more letter than need to be. When I go for my consultation, I'll have two or three more letters than I need. But um, That's good. You've, you've, and, you've covered all the bases. And don't be afraid to be meticulous and having unneeded information in it. Um, that, that you, if you rather have too much information, then not enough. Yes, exactly. You can't be overeducated on something like this. No. You you can overthink, which happened to me in Pokemon, which happened to me in Pokemon, which is why I lost a lot of my games, but mm. that is besides the point. Yeah, well, overthinking overthinking can be it's a double-edged sword. You know, sometimes you can overthink something and it can hinder the process or whatever it may be, and sometimes you can overthink and it gives you that much more stability and support and foundation to to reach whatever that end result is. Correct. Yeah, you have the to only, plan. The only bad thing is it, it can be sources of depression and anxiety. Do you overthinking? Yeah. Well, not doing anything can also be a source of depression and anxiety too. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's why I say double-edged sword. I'm just a big overthinker. Like I was overthinking um, this conversation and my story and stuff like that. It's just the nature of who I am. Well, we've been going for almost about two hours. It's been lovely. <laughs> it's it, you've been wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Like I said, you had nothing to worry about, and this proves it. Uh, is thank there, you. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. You're welcome. Uh, is there anything else that you want to elaborate on or talk about or share? Or um, The only thing I would like to do is get in contact after the surgery and hopefully be your first, if you haven't already, um, guess who ha is coming off of that. Yo, I'd love that. Absolutely, Amanda. Of course. Absolutely. Yes, when you're ready and everything is... Uh, done its journey and its course and you're ready to to speak up and talk about it please let's let's reconnect and we'll schedule another time and have you back on uh, there's a number of guests i actually plan to reach back out to from last year to bring back on just kind of as as a check-in um well i want to talk uh, we were talking about queer representation more specifically trans representation and i would like to talk about the representation, or not really representation, but Doctor Who had their first openly trans individual on the late, uh, an episode recently. And it wasn't the focus of the show, but the character, in my opinion, I didn't really, I, did, I, I found the 
that the person that they were portraying, I didn't find was very um, appropriate. That they basically played a blunt, uh, 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 um, someone who was bred to basically fight, and they weren't very intelligent. And I'm like, really? He's going to cast a trans woman in that role? Hmm. I mean, I'm sure the role was written long before they decided who they wanted to cast, but there's so much opportunity you can do. There's so much story you can tell in Doctor Who. Doctor Who is a time-traveling story. Um, you know, it has time travel in it, and I think that would be a fantastic opportunity um, to tell a good trans story. And I'm very... Uh, and this brings me to a point that is less um, specific, but that brings me to hope. There is a lot of hope in the trans future, not only representation, but medical, social. And it's something that I'm looking forward to, even if my generation might not be able to experience it, but the generation after me or the generation after them. Yes, yes, absolutely. We, uh, leaps and bounds. From from my childhood till just now, and I guarantee there's going to be leaps and bounds in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, of course. Uh, I was, I, th I don't remember if I was thinking this or sharing it with a person or sharing it on the show, but I was talking about um, medical progress in the future. I don't know how far in the future, but in the future, I foresee something along the lines of, you know, all the trans men essentially donating their organs to the trans women and all the trans women donating their organs to the trans men. I mean, it may, it may not be exactly like that, but I foresee something like that happening. Um, I'll go one step further. Um, there are organs being grown from stem cells. There we and go. And that there has been, I, I think there has been a genitalia grown. So there will be, you could probably grow your own genitalia and I'm not, I'm not an expert, but maybe even uh, grow your own genetic um, reproductive material. Because I remember reading a story of a um, taking a seed out of the genetic material of uh, the reproductive organs of a female. They were able to do that. So I think that's wonderful that even in like the lesbian community, maybe they don't need a donor if they could change that material. But I, like I said, I'm not an expert. That's what I hear, heard. But it's, it's really exciting. It is very oh. exciting. Very exciting. And the thing I think that's most exciting is it's not just the trans community that's going to benefit from this. All of human nature, all of, all of humanity will benefit from these discoveries and surgeries and fill in the blanks of, and gaps of, of that. Uh, medical uh, documentation and experimentation, everyone's going to benefit from it, not just the trans community. And I think one of the biggest stories, um, as much big as the genitalia thing is, is the uterus situation. There's a lot of that. There has been a lot of that in the news. And that is very exciting for me because that is something I would love to do. But it's something that I know I can't do at this time. But even if I'm never in a situation where I could do it financially, or medically, I, I'm, I'm optimistic of the, you know, the people that will come. You know what I'm saying? When, yes. when I say that I, I would like to do it, I'm not talking about, you know, being the first experiment. I mean, if things lined up, I would love to do it. Um, but it gives me a lot of happiness that even if I don't get to experience it, that the community could. Yes. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like the road. It's like the yellow brick road to Oz. Each and invi- each individual, you and I, and people I've had on the show, and people you know, and people I know, we're all individual bricks on this path to Oz. And eventually, eventually, we'll get there. Maybe not you and I, but future generations will get there. And that's, as you said, brings so much hope to not just our community, but to the world. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. All right. Was there was there any other last thoughts? Um, I can't think of anything. I'll probably think of a lot of things when I get done. Oh, of course, that always happens. That happens oh. to me all the time. Oh, I was gonna. This is what I was going to say. Um, when I was talking about being in quote unquote the darkest period of um, of my life, working towards the surgery, for the first time, I purposely. And did fandom with the intent of it being a distraction. That was something that I did when I was younger because I didn't, you know, I wasn't who I was. So I, I entered fandom after fandom. I was collecting and stuff like that. But through my depression, I came to terms with the fact that I needed to take my mind off of it. And what better way to do that than enter a fandom or re-enter a fandom that I not only would be distracted by that I would be embraced and that fandom has been Star Wars so I've been catching up on a new EU I've been reading books reading comics I mean I haven't read books in so long so not only that but transitioning not only it gave me a sense of purpose and a sense of belonging it also gave me a sense of maturity I have grown so much more it gave me responsibility um, I've, I've gotten to the point where I am pretty much on my own. It gave me a hygienic thing. I brush my teeth now every day, where I, before I didn't. I, you know, I keep up with myself, where before I didn't. I didn't care. I, 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 I love it. I embrace it. I care about what I wear. I'm not cycling through the same seven clothes that I used to. Right. In my free time. Right. I understand that. I do. <laughs> You say you take care. You, you take more pride in yourself because you're caring about yourself now. You're you're closer to who you are than you were before. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, I I, I have experienced the same thing. Absolutely, and, experienced the same thing. And I'm a huge geek and fangirl, so I'm going to wear that on my sleeve very proudly. <laughs> and that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. No. Not at all. Would you, would you say it's important to, to, to uh, someone you know, just starting their journey, would you say it's important to maintain extra outside of the trans realm hobbies or interests or social activity, such, such as fandom? Um, for, for, during my personal experience, um, I pretty much gave up everything. Um, because I was into Pokemon, I was into video games. Uh, none of those I'm really into. I, I, I'm kind of likely dabbling in Pokemon. Um, and video games, I'm not really interested in. I sold all of them. I'm probably talking really quickly. Um, I also was into wrestling. I no longer follow that because it's too time-consuming. I used to watch things on Netflix, so I haven't. And my transition, my focus has been more my priority. But what I would say that it is important to maintain distractions whether or not they say the same isn't relevant it's as long as you have them i would also recommend 
having support, whatever that support may be, family, um, other LGBT members, other trans people, um, to have that. But I, 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 it is important to maintain distractions, even if they don't say the same from beginning through or end, quote unquote, your transition. It's important to have that, whether it be a hobby, whether it be family, friends, it's important to stay connected and stay distracted um, from your transition, however, being focused. So I would say it's important to have a hobby. I would say it's important to have connection with people. I would say it's important not to close yourself off. I would also say that it's important to stay focused. Make a list. Think about it. Do your research. Talk to professionals. But also, don't be afraid to take yourself out of that and be yourself. Otherwise, you're going to be so full of despair and depression. If you look at and don't compare yourself don't compare yourself because if you do you're going to have a bad day compare yourself to other trans people or yes um trans people cis people yeah everybody's got a unique journey and we're not the same no matter how similar we might be we are not the same and you have to maintain that individuality and be be confident in whatever you be confident whether, whether it be fandom whether it be fashion whether it be your body, whether it be sports, you know, have your confidence and realize that when you're confident, everything will fall into place and, you know, and be determined, you know, stay, stay motivated and don't give up because there's always someone who has it worse than you. Oh, that's always. true. That's true. Very true. And I, what you just said supports the fact of having a checklist. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. This has been absolutely wonderful. I am so honored that you took the time to, to share your story and journey with, with, with me and, and, and my audience. This is absolutely marvelous. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Now, if, uh, if you've heard any other uh, interviews or conversations I've had on the show, you know that I end the conversation with the Bernard Prevost questions, which were made very popular by uh, the TV show Inside the Actors Studio with James Lipton. Uh, it's 10 in-depth questions where you answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. I mean, take a moment, but the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay? All right. Okay. Now, the first one is... What is your favorite word? Positivity. And what is your least favorite word? Hate. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Ooh, geekdom. <laughs> okay. And what turns you off creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Ignorance. What is your favorite curse word? I don't like to curse. Uh, the B word. The B word, okay. As in female dog? Yes. Okay. Uh, what sound or noise do you love? My cat purring. And what sound or noise do you hate? The scratching on a chalkboard. Ooh, yeah, I don't like that one either. <laughs> what profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? Counselor. And what profession would you not like to do? First responder. And last question. If heaven exists, 
What would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome home, my daughter. Amanda, again, thank you so very, very much for sharing your time and your story. I, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, do you have a Twitter or anything like that in case uh, get, uh, listeners want to reach out to you, or are you just going to keep that all private, which is totally fine by me? I do not have a Twitter. Okay. If it, if anybody wants to contact me, they could reach out to you, and you can forward them to me. Sure, of to course. To my email. Of course. Just, just because my email is too long. No so. problem. No problem. Whatever's easiest. I always ask just in case there's that one person out there that wants to ask another question that we didn't cover. Not a problem right. at all. Then they can absolutely direct it to me. I have no problems with that. Well, this has been lovely. Is, are there any departing words you'd like to say? Thank you for having me on. It's been wonderful and an honor. And I look forward to keeping you and your audience up to date if my date for my surgery is scheduled before uh this airs i'll be sure to forward it to you so you can add it to the tail end of course Other otherwise my message is stay strong and be yourself don't be afraid and you're not alone reach out and support one another love one another because god knows we don't get it enough in the non-trans community. Oh, those are so powerful words. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. This You're has welcome. truly been an honor. I, I am blessed to have had you. Me too. Thank you. And there we have it. Amanda, thank you again. It was such a pleasure, such an honor. To, to share that moment, that morning in time with you. Thank you so very much. Folks, as I mentioned last episode, Amanda doesn't have any public Twitter or anything like that. So, But if you want to reach out to her, send me an email, changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com, and I will send it her way. there's the closing show music that's it that's it that's what we're doing it's over thank you so much for sticking around to the end i really do appreciate it come back next week when a regular episode is going to have all those extra things i talked about the secondary topic a countdown a new countdown we're starting a new countdown so that's what i'm excited about and listener feedback so check us out next week where i'm going to talk about pronouns and misgendering revisited Last year, I published episode 24, and so now I'm going to revisit that one. I'm always looking for topics. I'm always looking for guests. Changes in Latitudes podcast at gmail.com. And now, as Jimmy Buffett says, if I couldn't laugh, I just would go and say, if we couldn't laugh, we would just go insane. If we weren't all crazy... We would go insane. So stay crazy, everyone. Take care of yourself. Take care of someone else. And I'll see you next week.
listening to Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. I'd love to hear from you. So let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear about by emailing me at changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com or by leaving a comment on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash changesinlatitudespodcast or at the website changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher and please leave us reviews and star ratings. Now wait for it. Here it comes. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer I am not a doctor nor a lawyer, and I certainly do not pretend to be one. I am a trans woman who began her transition later in life. I am here to discuss my life, so I take no responsibility for your decisions based on my personal thoughts and experiences. If you are thinking about transition or are questioning your gender identity, First, please know that you are not alone in your thoughts and questions. Second, please seek the advice of a qualified gender therapist or at the very least a local support group. If you're having difficulty finding a qualified professional in your area, I suggest reaching out to the closest LGBT center near you. And lastly, please remember, always question the source when researching information on the internet. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permission from the host. Copyright 2016 by me, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Thanks for listening. I guess that's it. And remember...